Welcome back, humans. What I have for you in this episode is a poem called Human Being. And it was written by a lady called Denise Levertov. The poem goes like this. Human Being. Walking. In doubt from childhood on. Walking. A ledge of slippery stone. In the world's woods, deep layered with wet leaves, rich or sad, on one side of the path, ecstasy, on the other, dull grief, walking. The mine's imperial cities, roofed over valleys, thoroughfares, wide boulevards, that hold evening primrose of sky in steady calipers. Always the mind, walking, working, stopping sometimes to kneel, in awe of beauty, sometimes leaping, filled with the energy of delight, but never able to pass, the wall, the wall, of brick that crumbles and is replaced, of twisted iron, of rock, the wall that speaks, saying monotonously, children and animals, who cannot learn anything from suffering. Suffer, are tortured, die in incomprehension. This human being, each night nevertheless, summoning, with a breath blown at a flame, or a hand's touch on the lamp switch, darkness, silently utters, Impelled as if by a need to cup the palms and drink from a river, the words, thanks. Thanks for this day, a day of my life, and wonders. Pulls up the blankets, looking, into nowhere, always in doubt, and takes strange pleasure in having repeated once more the childish formula, a pleasure in what is seemly, and drifts to sleep, downstream, on murmuring currents of doubt and praise, the wall shadowy that tomorrow will cast its own familiar, chill, clear-cut shadow into the day's brilliance. I chose this poem because it's pertinent to the topic of this podcast, Unabashedly Catholic, Passionately Human. The book I'm reading from is called The Stream and the Sapphire, Selected Poems on Religious Themes. Again, these are all poems written by Denise Levertov. What stands out first about this poem is the human being walking in doubt from childhood on. Walking in doubt. walking on a slippery stone in the world's woods deep layered with wet leaves that can be rich or sad walking in doubt amongst the world's woods and there are wet leaves that you can slip on the leaves are rich or sad I think this signifies doubt by 
riches and doubt by sadness. Having been filled up with the world and feeling as if I don't need anything else, I have everything I need, I have all the money I need, I have all the power I need, I know everything, but yet I'm still in doubt. Or sadness by I can't seem to find what I'm looking for. I've lost so many people dear to me. There have been so much bad things in my life. And I'm in doubt. And then she says, on one side of the path is ecstasy, and on the other side of the path is dull grief. I'm going to take a quick break right there, and when I come back, I'll explain why this path stands out. Be right back. So what does the path mean? And why does this stand out? It's interesting to me how she says, on one side is ecstasy and the other is dull grief. This is a departure from what I'm used to in a lot of theology and a lot of art that's based on theology. Typically, they'll have the ecstasy or the happiness or the fulfillment or the being with God at the end of the path. Like I start out at one end and I have to walk to the other and by the time I get to the other end, that's ecstasy. Or they'll say, oh, there's a fork in the road. I'm walking along this path and I come to a fork. And on, if I take one direction, I go to heaven or ecstasy. And if I follow the other direction, I can go to hell. But it doesn't seem that way in this poem. She just says the path, there, she paints the picture of a path, and then she says on one side of it is ecstasy and on the other side is dull grief. Never mentions anything about a fork, and never mentions really an end to the path. So it almost seems to me like you'd have to get off of this path in order to go to ecstasy on the one side, or grief on the other side. But nevertheless, you'd have to get off of the path. I found that very interesting. And it, it says to me, well then, it asks the question, what is this path, then? If I have to get off of it, to achieve this ecstasy, what is this path? And all I can think is doubt. Human being walking in doubt. So the path is doubt then. And I have to get off of it if I want ecstasy. Or if I take the other side, that's just dull grief. But nevertheless, I'm still walking, she says. And then the mind has all of these cities, roofed over alleys, thoroughfares and wide boulevards. In the mind, not in reality, in the mind, there are all these things. And also in the mind, there's the walking and the working, and the sometimes stopping to kneel. In awe of beauty. Sometimes leaping, filled with the energy of delight, but... Never able to pass the wall. And the wall speaks. The wall is made of bricks that fall down, but we keep putting them back up. It's also made of twisted iron or rock. But the wall speaks. Monotonously, it says, children and animals who cannot learn anything from suffering suffer, are tortured, and die in incomprehension. 
they're walking down this path of doubt. And sometimes we stop and we kneel in awe of beauty. And sometimes we're jumping up and down, filled with energy of delight. But we're never able to get past this wall we came to. And the wall talks about children and animals suffering and dying without understanding why. They're incapable of understanding why. They're incapable of learning anything from suffering, yet they still suffer and die. We're already doubting. We're already on this path of doubt. And then we hit this wall. We can't seem to ever get around it. What that says to me is, or it hearkens to the common argument of atheists who say, well, how can there possibly be this good and loving God that you Christians talk about when I see all these innocent children and innocent animals being suffered or being tortured and suffering and dying and they don't even know why? How could a good and loving God who knows everything, who is all-powerful, allow something like that to happen? And so then they reason, well, there can't possibly be this good and loving God. Or there can't possibly be any God. So we're already on this path of doubt, and then we hit that wall. And she continues on, though. She says, this human being, each night nevertheless, after blowing on the flame or switching the lamp off, summons the darkness, and then silently utters prayers. Giving thanks. Thanks for the day that I have had of my life. And wonders. Then pulls up the blankets, looks around into nothingness, into the darkness, always in doubt, but still taking strange pleasure, she says, in having repeated once more the childish formula. The childish formula, to me, is the prayers. An example would be like, Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. It's a prayer that's often taught to children. I know today a lot of people don't teach the dying part to children because they don't want to scare them, but for a long time that was a tradition to teach children this prayer. And so she's talking about this childish formula, taking pleasure in repeating that prayer, even though I'm always in doubt. I feel the need to give thanks for my day and to say these prayers, even though I'm still in doubt. And then we drift to sleep downstream on the murmuring currents of doubt and praise. Praise for the day I have been given, but still doubting. And then the wall again appears tomorrow, and it will cast its own familiar chill, clear-cut shadow, into the day's brilliance. I can't ever seem to get away from that wall or that doubt. It's a striking poem striking poem, but I think very accurate. Very accurate for most people's human experience. Feeling that I need to th give thanks to someone or something for being alive and for the beauty I see around me. But yet there's still that wall of this unexplained suffering of the innocent. I can't, I can't make sense of it even though I still feel that there's someone or something I have to give thanks to. There's so much beauty. Where did it come from? And there's so much suffering. Why is it here? 
Those, I think those are the main questions she elicits in this poem. Where did all this beauty come from that I kneel in awe of? And why is there all this suffering? How can these two things coexist? And I think that's what generates the doubt. But we continue on with that need to give thanks. Thanks for the beauty. Thanks for the wonders. And maybe perhaps even thanks for the the innocent, even though they did suffer and die, even though I can't make sense of why they would suffer and die, I still give thanks for them. I give thanks for their existence. I think that's very accurate, as I said before. That's very accurate of the majority of people's human experience. Even those people who say, well, I have faith in God, and and even those people who study theology and have explanations for, you know, God's permissive will, and he would allow the suffering of the innocent because it doesn't go to waste, especially now because Jesus was innocent and he offered himself for us, and their sacrifice, even though they didn't realize it was a sacrifice, still is wrapped up in Jesus' sacrifice, and it's still worth something. And maybe after they pass from this life into eternity, they will have this explained to them by God. Even people who understand all of that will still experience that wall. They'll still experience that doubt. I know from my own experience I understand the concept of God's permissive will and the concept of being fruitful, being a fruitful sacrifice because of what Jesus did. I understand that concept and it makes sense and I believe in it. But yet there still is that wall. Why? Because I'm still living in this life. I haven't passed into eternity yet. I don't see things completely the way God does. There's a quote in scripture that says, now we see things dimly as in a mirror, as in darkened glass. But then, when we get to eternity, we will see things clearly. We will see things as God does. So I think that's why there is this consistent doubt. And doubt isn't always a bad thing. I believe that doubt and faith can go hand in hand. And there are a lot of other theologians that have said something similar. The doubt is not always a bad thing. It's the rejection of God that leads to destruction. It's not living with doubt. If you can live with doubt, but still trust that there is more to this than I understand or than I see, I still trust in that. I trust that there is a good and loving God that understands these things, even though I don't, and even though I experience doubt. He still knows what he's doing. You can continue your life experiencing experiencing the doubt and it doesn't destroy you. What causes the ultimate destruction is the complete rejection of the idea that there is a good and loving God. And it's contrary to how she points out the need to give thanks and the question of where did this beauty come from. If I reject the idea of a good and loving God, then I reject the existence of beauty as well. So that doesn't make sense. That path doesn't make sense. I still have to continue on with the goodness. Apologize for the interruption there. It was a short interruption, but we'll continue on. What I was saying before is that it doesn't make any sense 
to completely reject the existence of a good and loving God simply because you see things that you don't understand. Because you still see beauty. And where did that beauty come from? If there is no good and loving God, where really did that beauty come from? Did it spring from nothing? That doesn't make any sense. How could we get all of this stuff that's so intricate and so complex and so reasonable from nothing? That idea doesn't gel. It doesn't make any sense. We still need an explanation for where that beauty came from in the face of the doubt caused by the things we don't understand that are sad and that are causing us grief. I hope that makes sense. This poem is deep, it is complex, but it is truthful. And so I hope that you listening have enjoyed this meditation, and I hope that you look more into Denise Levertov's poems. They're similar to this, they're so simple, but they're so profound. So I hope you enjoyed this, and I hope you have a wonderful day, and God bless. Mm-hmm.